everyone, and welcome to Hurry and Yell podcast, episode number 15. I am Brian. And I am Pat. And we thank both of you for listening. Six, all six of you. All six. We all thank all six of you for listening. Our Facebook booster is useless, by the way. Hey, it got 11 likes. Yeah. And three of the lessons are probably me. Probably. And I think one of them is me. Anyways. So today we're going to just kind of recap what we have done so far as, you know, we are approaching the end of the year and it's at the end of the year, we like to, people like to create lists on what happened in the previous year in 2017. So we're going to do a little bit of that. And uh, yeah, we're going to go on a couple of rants like we always do. And we're going to have a little bit of fun. You always say we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to have a whole lot of fun. Is that better? That sounded awful. Yeah, no kidding. It sounded forced. Fun sounds like a, um, a life coach at a team building event. Well, you know. Is that your future? You're going to be a life coach? No, but I am a, a coach. team builder? I am a coach. And so everyone's going to. Is that how you like your pep talks? Hey, guys, we're just going to run the office and we're just going to have a little bit of fun today. I definitely have before. You know, I, I'm the, the I'm the coach that says I have two jobs as a coach: to help you guys improve, help you guys have fun. Anything oh, else man. is gravy. If we do that, the wins will come. Did you ever, growing up as a kid, have coaches that said shit like that? I don't remember what my coaches in middle school were like. My, my coach in middle school was my dad. <laughs> we, we know that he wouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, he would just say, "Brian, go run," because I had to run I the most. Mostly old school coaches. I didn't. I, I had mostly parents. Ba- yeah, I mean, baseball. Yeah, some parents. Baseball was my dad. Basketball was my friend's dad, and then my other friend's dad. And then eighth grade was a whole giant cluster for AAU basketball. My high school football coach was my most memorable. None of my high school coaches were memorable except for my baseball coach my senior year. He played uh, in the Dodgers organization, made it to AAA, but never made it to the Did he always show. remind you of it? Was he one of those people? No. no, he didn't. He was super cool, actually. He just retired a couple years ago. Actually, I applied to be the coach at East Valley for baseball a couple years ago. You didn't get a look with your... Actually, I did, but... You didn't get a look? What do you mean? Did well, you... I, I talked to the, the AD, who was the AD when I was there. And so he recognized my name. And so we chatted for a little bit and he goes, yeah, you just don't have any baseball coaching experience. So go get some of that and then come call me in a couple of years. Why don't, why haven't you been coaching baseball? Yeah, basketball's my go-to. That, that was back when I didn't have a job. Oh, that one time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Nice <laughs> shout out there. You walked right into that I one. I did. Like Clark Griswold. I'm a loose floorboard in the attic. Speaking of Clark Griswold, have you watched Christmas Vacation yet? Piggyback, piggybacking I did. I watched it on Tuesday. I haven't. I watched yet. Elf on Monday. I still got to get through A Christmas Carol. It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, probably a Santa, Santa Claus. So I got through Santa Claus. Uh, Neil's head comes to a point. <laughs> got through Elf. So I just have Christmas Vacation. You don't really get through Elf. You That's just true. coast through it. That's true. That's true. It's kind of like a slip and slide. It's so, I forgot how cheesy it is, though. It's so great. It's it, really cheesy. It's cheesy, but it knows it's cheesy. Yeah. So I got just like uh, 
Christmas vacation, and that'll be probably Christmas Eve, like always. I, I, it's a wonderful life will probably be Christmas Eve. You know what? I never have made a tradition out of, even though it's on TV all the time on Christmas. A Christmas story? There's a Christmas story. I've never really enjoyed it, and I bet I'd enjoy it more as an adult, because I feel like that was a kid's movie made for adults. It wasn't a kid's movie made for kids. I watched it all the time as a kid. The past few years, I haven't. I mean, it's one of those movies where you don't need, first of all, you don't need to pick it up at the beginning. You can watch it starting two-thirds of the way through, finish it, and then watch the first two-thirds on it the back end. Seems, it, I'm just, I always felt as a kid it was really depressing. It was very depressing. But Darren McGavin as the dad. Well, yeah. couple of just great lines. <laughs> it's a major award. <laughs> I think the best Christmas present I ever got my father, and he will say this. Like, do you get him a leg lamp? <laughs> no, I got him leg lamp pajamas. Like four or five years ago, as a gag gift, I got him leg lamp pajamas. He still wears them. I bet you if I went there tonight, he would be wearing those pajamas because they're flannel, so they're warm. He always struck me as a guy who would just go and buy <laughs> Oh, well. No pajamas. Well, when like a wife beater. When people. That's a little tighter on the midsection. <laughs> when people are at our house, he wears pajamas. But he doesn't. He definitely does not wear pajamas when he sleeps, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, Dad. Oh, John. Do you, do you ever watch It's a Wonderful Life? When was the last time you saw oh, that? God. Six, seven years ago. That I, I used to just think, oh, that's a charming movie. The older you get, the harder it hits you. Yeah. I think I think Marissa might want to watch it this year. So One of the only movies to ever draw a tear from my father. The hardened man himself. Yep. Yep. I, 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 I didn't see it. I've heard I of it. I can neither confirm nor deny My that this happened. mother said that it happened. Was it a single tear? I think it was a single tear. It's like the <laughs> commercial where the Native American has a single tear as the forest is being burned or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get, let's get to the meat and potatoes of the podcast, which basically is just us talking about past podcasts. Um, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna go first because my best prediction wasn't as good as your best prediction. So I'll go first. I have two that were pretty good. Otani signing with the Angels, pretty good. Nailed that one. Nailed yep. that one. I was I was hoping the Mariners would grab him, and but I really thought that the reaction to him going to the Angels, like the Mariners fans, were just devastated. Like crushed? Were you crushed? No, because I knew it was going to happen. I knew he wasn't going to sign with the Mariners because the Mariners don't an, get nice things. Was it an issue of money? No, because the Mariners could offer more money. So it was what? playing next to Mike Trout. And that would do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no argument there. Yeah. Um, I, I I would pick the Angels over the Mariners right now in a heartbeat, especially because he's not motivated by money. Yep. I mean, he's only 23, so he in took two... less money and the California State income tax. Yep. I mean, in two years, he's going to be yeah okay anyway, so pretty well off. So um, other than that, TCU, uh, I predicted that they would finish better than the record. They were not ranked in the preseason, or they were on the fringe of the top 25. I don't think they were even fringing. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I picked them just because they uh, have, have had a bad year, and they usually don't have – 
two bad years in a row. And so I was like, they're due for a comeback this year. And, you know, they went 10-3. and three. Two of their losses were to Oklahoma. So, the other one was a really kind of fluky loss to Iowa State. It's just like, it would, you know, they drive down, they get to the 20-yard line turnover, then they miss a kick. It was just, Oklahoma was just flat out better than them. But um, Nothing wrong with finishing second in the Big 12. It, they've, it took them a couple of years, and they got to the Big 12 to adjust, and they had a couple great seasons. Finished third in 2014. Yeah. Wow. But uh, I, I, I thought they'd be like seven and five. Well, yeah, I, I, I thought just because, and actually, you know, I was kind of wrong on Texas. I didn't think Texas was going to be as good as they were too for my overrated, underrated picks. I nailed TCU. Texas, I mean, technically I got them right because they didn't finish in the top 25 and they started there, but they still finished better than I thought. I think they finished where anybody with a brain thought they would. That's six and six, right? Six and six, low tier bowl game. I think, I think they play Cal. That would be great if they did. I don't know who they play in their bowl game, but if they play Cal, that would be great. Yeah, because Cal is our unintentional. It was our comedy pick, and then it just pick. and then it just kept going, and then it became a dark comedy when they beat the piss out of the Cougs. Well, that was one of those Murphy's Law games. Yeah, no kidding. Bowl season. So we're recording this podcast on Thursday. Bowl season officially starts tomorrow. Really? Yeah. I'm looking it up right now, but the first one is is tomorrow. So we will uh, we'll review. We'll, we're going to do a, a bowl preview of the the better games. The after uh, bowl, bowl season really starts after Christmas. After Christmas, yeah, that's when we're going to do that. Next, next week we'll get into it. The big game before Christmas is the Las Vegas Bowl between Oregon and Boise State. Hmm. I think Boise State is going to have a big lead and then blow it. Sorry, it starts on Saturday. So on Saturday, there's five bowl games. You've got Troy against North Texas in the R&L Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Western Kentucky versus Georgia State in the AutoNation Cure Bowl. Boise State, Oregon in the Las Vegas Bowl. Marshall, Colorado State in the New Mexico Bowl. And Middle Tennessee, Arkansas State, and the Raycom Media Camellia Bowl. That's an awesome name. Mm-hmm. Was the last time that uh, Oregon played in the Las Vegas Bowl, was it 2004, 2006? That year where they wore like the fluorescent yellow? Mm-hmm. And they played some like San Diego, it's just some San Diego, State. San Diego State soundtrack, or like Nevada. And they just got killed. BYU, maybe? Uh, sounds about right. I'm going to have to look that up now. But I'm curious. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, that's that's Oregon's the only Power 5 team that's playing in the first week. <laughs> they lost 38-8 to eight in the 2006 um, Las Vegas Bowl to BYU. And that was what got half that offensive staff fired. The next year they hired Chip Kelly. And the rest is college football history. So the the big games pick up a little bit the day after Christmas. You got that's when the big teams start playing. You got Utah, West Virginia, you got Duke, Northern Illinois, and then you got Kansas State against UCLA on the twenty sixth. They played in the bowl game 
Um, recently. Recently. Yeah. I think Kansas State won that one too. UCLA won. They're kneeling to win the game. And Kansas State spills the like tries to swipe the ball like what the Seahawks did. And um, Jim Mora refused to say, shake Bill Snyder's hand. Said that that was dirty, it was bullshit. Ripped Bill's like of all the, of all the people. Really, just typical Jim Mora. Typical oh, Jim Mora. That's why he's not employed. Um, Texas plays Missouri. Missouri came on super hot at the end of the year and scored like 50 points the last four games. Yeah, I think they might have kind of seen their way through that transition when Gary Pinkle left. And Cal, year. Cal went five and seven, so they're not in the bowl game. <sighs> yeah, lost to Stanford. Close game, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, 17 to 14. And then they lost to UCLA 30 to 27 the next week. You gotta win one of those two. Well, they won some BS close games earlier in the year, so it all evens out when you play on the on the edge like that. Yeah. Actually, their closest win was five points, and it was against North Carolina. And we found out North Carolina's not very good. No. They beat Ole Miss by eleven. They beat WSU by thirty-four, and they beat Oregon State by two touchdowns. Oregon State. Jonathan Smith, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, it's it's not going to be great. So the Tennessee coaching circus is finally done with Jeremy Pruitt. Uh-huh. What do you think about Jeremy Pruitt? I think he's a good coach that has trouble getting along with people. And for that very reason... Um, I'm not sure that he's the best fit to run um, a major program like that. Well, if I let me pull up his resume real quick, there's some good games that are going to be uh, going on later and later in the bowl season. But so he coached at uh, he coached at Georgia and didn't get along with Mark Richt. He coached at Florida State and didn't get along with Jimbo Fisher. The only coach he's ever gotten along with is the curmudgeon himself. Is Nick Saban is the reason why uh, Roy Moore is not a senator <laughs> because twenty thousand people wrote in Nick Saban. Is that really why? I don't think it was only twenty thousand. I don't think it was twenty. There were twenty thousand write-in votes, and you know, I'm sure most Alabama people actually wrote in Nick Saban, but he didn't have twenty thousand himself. But still. Thank you, Nick Saban. So, anyways, I mean, my my picks were What's, okay. What was your worst pick of the year? Worst pick of the year. What was my worst pick of the year? Probably BYU as an upset pick over LSU. Wasn't that third, 28 to nothing? <laughs> Something like that? Yeah. That That would be my worst pick. What was your worst pick of the year? Oh, man. There was a lot of them. There was a, all of them were in one weekend pretty much, too. Um, the WS, I mean, what was that weekend where we got every game wrong? First weekend of November, I think. Wazoo in Arizona. LSU and 
Alabama. Thought it would be closer than it was. No, no, we we got that one right. God, what weekend was it? Anyways, it was, we were just texting back and forth about how wrong we were. Yep, wrong, wrong. I was wrong. Well, I remember being really wrong about LSU and Mississippi State, um, and you were really right. Yeah. Um, that was our first. That was the first upset pick. I should have just quit. Been one and zero. The basic thing was, if I said anything with absolute certainty, it was going to be wrong. If I just sit here and look at my notes and then go, ah, uh, Georgia's going to beat up on Auburn, or Auburn's going to beat up Georgia, then Nailed that one. it'll just happen. I didn't really have a reason for it. Everything I looked at said that the game would turn out the way it did in the SEC title game. But So if I just pull it out of thin air, you know, lesson for... For next year. Yep. So how about your best? I mean, you'd have to say Georgia. You right? would. You would definitely have to say Georgia. And, and, and the reason why, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why, but it was even more surprising that it happened because one of the reasons why you picked them was because of Jacob Eason. Yes. And he ended up playing a game, a half. I think they'd be undefeated if he played the whole season. You think honestly. so? I know that Georgia fans have never been high on him for some reason, even though he's just the, physically a perfect quarterback. He looks like Matthew Stafford. And he was a true freshman last year. Um, but they, I don't think they would have lost to Auburn and Jordan Hare if they had a guy who could throw the ball. And Jake from State Farm, he's done a, he's done a great job. Really a great job. But, but it helps when you have he, he, those running backs. He's a guy who can... He's a point guard, but he's not a creator. Like Eason can can create. So he's just like he's like a god who's a, a good NBA comparison for Jake Jake Fromm. State Farm. Fine. He's like a uh, Raymond Felton. <laughs> you know, he the guy who was in North Carolina for thirty eight years. And he almost has eaten himself out of the NBA. But he still is in the NBA. But just a guy, he, he runs the offense. Solid. You know, yeah. every once in a while makes a spectacular pass. Yeah. Every once in a while hits the big shot. He'll get 14 points, 8 assists, 2 turnovers. Jameer Nelson. Jameer, yep. He's just moving the ball. He's getting the offense going. He's not like Steve Nash, who's a catalyst, who was a catalyst point guard. Or Jason Kidd back or in the day. Or Westbrook. I mean, granted, I don't really like the guy. But he's an incredible basketball player. Yes, he is. And he creates. Everything everything explodes through him. So I was watching the Thunder against the Pacers earlier this week. Why? Paul George has returned to Indiana. Okay. And if I had made a drinking game where every time Billy Donovan isolates Carmelo Anthony – for a one-on-one, and Carmelo would just dribble around and then shoot a jump shot, usually a fadeaway, I would have been hammered midway through the second quarter. And that's why they only won that game by five points, even though they are the vastly superior team. The thing that I, it took, I don't think – I think people have finally realized about Carmelo is he's fucking lazy. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely is. And – like he just doesn't play with the hunger. They wanted him as a third scoring option. 
Then don't, don't call ISO plays for him. I, He's I a third agree. scoring option. I agree. You know what they should do? They should bring him in off the bench. They should do like what Cleveland's doing with Dwayne Wade. Manage, manage his minutes, pick his spots, because as a, a, a lead gunner on a second unit, Carmelo can still be very effective. But as a starting power forward in the Western Conference, no. That takes way too much effort. He can't handle that. Yeah. I mean, he would have to guard Golden State for Durant. He'd have or he have to guard Durant for Golden State. He'd have to guard Lamarcus Aldridge in San Antonio. He'd have to guard... Well, I mean, Aldridge is another guy that just... Aldridge is having weeks. So. He, he's, he's been okay so far this year, but that's because he's been the guy because Kawhi has been injured. So because Kawhi's been injured, he knew that he was going to yeah, be able to get his shots. If he's not the big dog, he, he checks in, he checks out, drives Popovich nuts. Yeah, so far he's been engaged, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Kawhi comes back. And I think Kawhi's coming back in a couple weeks. So, But, I mean, San Antonio will still find a way to win 50-plus games. You know, I mean, and then hey, Carmelo. You know, yeah. Carmelo I'm going to say um, everybody talks – Phil Jackson is widely considered like the greatest basketball coach ever because he's won a, what eleven titles. That I think he's nine titles. By the time he re- when he retired, he was the best best basketball coach ever. I think Greg Popovich is a better coach than he is. I agree. I think he has done more with less. I mean, I know he's had Tim Duncan, and I know he had Manu Ginobili and a great scouting department. But you get he's turned guys like Danny Green. He revolutionized the game. He did. He was the the first one to do the corner three. Yep, absolutely. There is – and you look at uh, Phil Jackson, and the only thing he revolutionized was um, having star power on teams, really. He ran an outdated offense, and he jammed guys in there, and it worked (laughs) because of the kind of philosophy behind it. But you would never look at Phil Jackson and go, he changed the game. Mm-mm. Popovich changed the game, and he's won a bunch of titles. Like five? Five, yeah. And he's been in seven finals? Six? Six finals? Six or seven, because I know he lost to the Heat. Oh, Ray Allen. I'm so pissed. Ray Allen and Richard winning the, winning a title together. They've always liked the, uh, the Spurs. Oh, yeah. How can you not? I mean... It, you're a fan of old school basketball, of moving the ball, of making the extra pass, of sacrificing a good shot for a great shot. No one does that better than the Spurs, except for the Warriors the last couple of years. And that's why, even though everyone hates on the Warriors, and by all means, go ahead. You can say they bought a title. Fine, go ahead. That team is fun to watch because the way they move the ball. You think of all of the teams in sports that have tried to buy titles. The, I'd say 99% of the time, it doesn't work. Work for the heat. It works in basketball more than, than any other sport because basketball is the one sport where one player can truly change the game. I mean, you look at LeBron. He's made seven, yeah, the he, last seven finals. He didn't, win. He didn't win, win titles until he had other people. Right. but And then he had to learn how to play with them. But his first finals trip with Cleveland – or the first one of the seven year run was with Cleveland. Does he make that? Do they make that finals without him? Do they even sniff the second round of the playoffs without well, him? We saw what happened when he left. Exactly. They became the worst team in the NBA. Um, so I'm not, one player, you know, affects more in the NBA. Well, of course. But yes. it's because there's only five players on the court. So um, 
Yes, but you, you you have a bunch. You have the big stars. Like you look at the Houston Rockets nineteen when they Charles Barkley came. Yeah, they're like an all star team, and they just couldn't win. They could not get over the hump because Charles Barkley didn't play well with the team. Yep, and uh, the Magic. They were essentially in the nineties. They were an all star team. Yep. Uh, the Lakers, the 2004 Lakers with Malone and Peyton and Kobe and Shaq. Yep. Just, they, they didn't have the cohesion. And so the Warriors, that's what's so amazing about them. Is, is they were already a great team. And then they add the sec, arguably the second best player. And it took a little, a little bit to bring him into the fold and get him flowing. But once they did, it was great. Um, watch out for the Rockets this year, by the way. Sneaking up on people. Yeah. I'm not buying it. No? Chris Paul and James Harden. Yeah. The day those guys win something will be the first time they win anything. That's true. That's true. Nailed it. <laughs> it's, it I, I don't know. I guess I'm, I would like to see it because D'Antoni's offense is fun to, fun to. I don't. That's not even basketball. Like, I mean, it's, it's. You want to talk about someone revolutionizing the game, though. I mean, those he's, what is he? He's just Paul Westhead, right? Let's run up and down the floor. Let's not, not play an ounce of defense. I like defense. I like a good rotation on defense. I like moving the feet. I like I like fundamental defense. This is why you like the Spurs. Exactly. Yeah. And I never liked those Suns, the seven seconds or less Suns teams. I hated them. Hated them. But um, floor spacing, I'll give him credit for how he spaces the floor. I'm going to say another one. For my predictions, that is on its way to becoming true. And obviously, it's very, very early. And there's a lot of conjecture. And there's a lot of college basketball. And there's a lot of qualifiers. A lot of college basketball left to play. But Wichita State is looking like the real deal right now. Haven't they proven themselves as a real deal on a yearly basis? True national title contender, I think, this year. I, I, I think... That one loss to Notre Dame when I called the last play of the game. You did? No, that is my best call. That was. That was. <laughs> but I uh, asked you, what are they going to run? And you told me exactly what they were going to run. Yep. And it worked. Yep. But, um, no, Wichita State looks really good right now. And their point guard, Landry Shamit. I just love saying his name. He uh, he's coming back still from a foot injury. I think he's finally starting to get a hundred percent. That team is going to be a tough out. I mean, they're always a tough out, but I think they have what it takes to win it all. And a team that I should have seen coming, but didn't, was Villanova. I mean, they're the number one team in the country now, so it's easy to say that now. But and they really worked over Gonzaga. They did. They worked over my boys. I mean, Gonzaga is a, a, a good team, and they were they were missing one of their starters, but it wouldn't have mattered. If if Corey Kispert was in the game, it's different, a different uh, level yeah. right now in December. We'll see if they play in March. It'll probably be a closer game. It would be, but I still would pick Villanova to win it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's my potential. So I don't have a college basketball pick other than um, I think Ernie Kent's going to be around for two more years at Wazoo. And t- but they're not—they're gonna stop rolling it over, and he'll be fired at the end of 2019. It's not soon enough. 
Um, we've been going back and forth on the Cougs, and we've just been wrong about them the entire year. No, we were right about them. Right, in the, our initial impression, I think, was right. Well, St. especially Mary's, if they lose to IUPUI on Saturday. Well, they lost what to a two and four UTEP team, coached by yeah. Tim. Is Coach Tim Floyd still there? Is that where he ended up? Yeah, I think he actually just left. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So they lost to a guy with an interim coach. Oh, WSU basketball. They're so good when I was there, when we were there. It was awesome. I mean, it was. I got, I got, I didn't think. I thought they were overrated at the time. You know, they made a sweet 16, though. I thought they got a great draw. Notre Dame? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good draw. But those games were – it's a great environment there when the team's good. Yes. And I was thinking that um, – I miss going to basketball games. So we can go catch a UW game for fifteen bucks. Well, I miss going to actual basketball games. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's our best option right I now. I know, I know. But apparently, we're getting a hockey team here. Yeah. So that in twenty twenty, yeah, we can have a half-empty arena in Seattle Center. So let's talk about that because I know you wanted to talk about uh, the the hockey team. So for any of our listeners who don't know. Uh, Seattle is renovating Key Arena, the old home of the Sonics. And because of that, they're being able to build a state-of-the-art arena, which is supposed to be able to fit a hockey team, an NBA team, concerts, and the like. So basically, they've already said hockey is coming here, it sounds like, in 2020. And I think hockey is going to excel here in Seattle. And I think it's going to excel because of the exact same reason soccer has excelled here, because that's the type of fan that it attracts. It attracts the people that aren't as big a fans of the the big three sports, you know, the outsiders a little bit. Uh, If you go to, there's two minor league teams around here. There's one in Kent, one in Everett. As far as minor league hockey teams, they usually draw pretty well. And I think the NHL team is going to draw well as as well. I think the, the fans are going to adopt it pretty quick. Um, I'm going to disagree with you. I think you do make great points, though. I'm going well, to give you credit. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Basically, I'm saying that because Seattle's such a liberal hipster city, it's going to embrace a non-common sport. I'm going to say that <laughs> since Seattle's such a liberal hipster city, they're not going to adopt a sport that involves bunch of toothless white men fighting. Um, <laughs> so here's why. First of all, uh, this whole process has made me sick, and I've talked about it previous episodes, so I'm not going to get into that. Um, the owner of the building who um, bribed enough people to get the MOU uh, to award the bid um, – is a hockey guy. His he wants to get a hockey guy. So we went into this thing wanting to build a basketball arena, and we come out with apparently a hockey team. I don't know how that achieves anything, but besides the point, um, it's been ten years since the Sonics left, and I think people have forgotten just how awful it is getting to Seattle Center. It's a nightmare. It's but Pat, a the nightmare. monorail. 
Every time, so this is at least the third time you have said how bad it is to get there, and every time I have said the monorail. Not, not the light rail, the monorail. It's, so the the owner, the guy who's going to be running this, I'm mean, going to dignify that with a response, um, he says, oh yeah, we can have an NBA team. Okay. Yeah, bullshit. Who? Like, imagine who's going to have to pay, how much money they're going to pay, and but, how much tiny percentage are going to get to the revenue. Well, so we're getting a hockey team. We're, I, we're talking about, we're, we'll get back on track. We're, we're talking about the hockey team, whether they'll do well or not. In soccer, terms of fan attendance? And fan attendance. Soccer has always been big here because um, temperate weather for the most part. Uh, soccer being able to be played in the stadium, according to soccer fans, is why the stadium got approved to CenturyLink Field. Um, there's a built-in fan base. Sorry, there's I just a, thought of something. Go ahead. Um, with soccer to begin with, and it's a perfect hipster sport. You know what's not a hipster sport? Bloodthirsty hockey. Uh, if you notice, the minor league hockey teams are in the blue-collar areas outside of Seattle. That's true. Uh, there's not blue collar in Seattle. And I don't think that the blue collar people have the money or the desire to pay to go into Seattle. You're not going to get all the, all the big money here is at Seahawks games and Mariner games. Speaking of Seahawks games, because the Sounders are finally done, Seahawks are probably getting those blue wins. They already back. have them. Yes. That's why they're going to win on Sundays because they have the blue end zones back. <laughs> we'll see. Um, anyways, I just don't think that there is the big money to pay for the suites. And well, there is the money, but people have already spent it. There's, there's, there's an amount of entertainment money and it gets spent. The same amount of entertainment money always gets spent regardless of what sports teams are here. That money is already committed to the big shows in town. Hockey is going to be an afterthought played in this cavernous arena in this pit of the city that's impossible to get to. And so I don't think that they're going to get the support. I think it'll be just like uh, the Mariners were, are, where... Attendance is only good if they're really good, and that's not sustainable. I think it's going to be huge at first, though. I don't. I don't even think it's going to be huge. I think it's going to be like, oh, we got a hockey team. You gonna go? To any games? I love watching hockey. I love watching hockey in person, but I have no reason to get into the NHL ever since it went off ESPN. I don't even know how you watch them anymore. NBC. Like the strike. The strike where they lost a year. Yeah. Lost me. I'd watch the playoffs every year. I'd watch Hockey Night in Canada. I'd watch hockey all the time. I love watching playoff hockey. Absolutely love it. I love watching playoff hockey still. I get me a in June, get me a beer on a Saturday afternoon, and I'm watching NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs, and I'm flipping back and forth between the NBA game on NBC and the N. The NBA game on ABC and the NHL game on NBC. The thing Going about back and forth. the thing about hockey, though, is I feel like it's that's a tough back and forth. It's tough true. to channel. There's play no commercials because for 
there is the thing about hockey is there's a flow to the game. With basketball, you watch enough basketball, you can watch two minutes of a game and you can tell how it's going. Yeah. With hockey, that two minutes could be spent them just chipping it up and down the ice trying to kill a power play. That two minutes, yeah, that two minutes could be a power play exactly. Um, I one time I watched a game last year where the final score was like four to two, and every time I turned it is when they would score. Like turn it to the game is when they would score. Oh, it was pretty nice. The reverse of the 2005 Monday Night Football game. Yeah, pretty much. Good thing I, I have let that one go. Yeah, obviously you let a lot of stuff go from <laughs> from my uh, from my college days. I appreciate that. So, I'm going to talk a little bit since we were talking about Seattle sports and Seattle fans. I'm going to talk a little bit about fans in general. Now, I. I am a diehard Washington State Cougar fan. I am a huge Cougar fan. I've been, I'm a third generation Coug. I've been a Coug fan since before I could remember. That being said, I root for the University of Washington, our chief rival, to go 11 and 1 every single year. I don't root for them to go that well, but continue. Because I would think, I think it would be so sweet to knock them off from undefeated. To be the only team that could beat them. I think that would be so sweet. Because I root for UW to win, according to basically every other Cougar fan, that makes me less of a fan. Except for this one. Except for, yes. Well, that's because you, you're smart. Um, I, love, I love WSU. I love Cougs. But Cougar fans are the dumbest fans in the country. I don't think they're the dumbest, but definitely they're in the top ten. There's my hot take. Um, so they root for UW to lose more than they root for WSU to win. It's unfortunately become a passion of hatred rather than a passion of love. And I just, I don't get it. I don't understand why, what a team is doing that's 300 miles away, why that really affects your fandom. And I have been saying this, even when I was in college at WSU, I was saying this. And people would give me such a hard time because I would root for UW to win. When I first met you, you were the most starry-eyed coog in the world. Your, your stereotypical, ah, shucks, you know, that one year when we were so good, oh, wasn't that awesome? Oh, darn it, it was a forwards pass in the 2002 Apple Cup. It really was. Um and then, then UW, would, UW, UW would come up, or I'd, I'd put, be watching UW on TV, and we were just watching the game. Yeah. You weren't actively involved in hating them. Yeah. And that was at your apex of being a... That was when I would show up to Coug games wearing idiots. a Coug long-sleeve shirt under a Coug short-sleeve shirt with a Coug hat and, I think, Coug pants. Yeah, and the first game I went to with you, you, you were jumping up and down, so excited. Uh, the Cougs were, I think, about to go three and seven. They were losing but to Oregon. Oregon, and you just fell. Yep, fell, fell off. <laughs> and I was stone cold sober. So I, yes, I I agree with you. I see. I didn't grow up a Coug fan. That's right. I grew up a Husky. Fan. But you you've seen the Coug fans. You've heard them no, I talk. Hate them. I hate all of them. Yeah, yeah. The, the the perfect the perfect example of this. The perfect example of this is the 2011 season opener. It's an 85-degree day, a beautiful day out on the Palouse. The Cougs are playing Iowa State. For the first Idaho th- State. Idaho State. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, they're asking by Iowa State. 
They're beating them by 40 points. When was the last time the Cougars have beaten anybody by 40 points under Paul Wolf? So, you and I go to the bar to have a little, you know... Celebratory drink. Drink, and it's at like halftime. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stadium's empty by that point, and everyone's in the bar watching UW play Eastern Washington. Oh, yeah. And oh. cheering with more fervor over Eastern Washington's failed upset attempt than they were for their own team. I I know the Cougs aren't the only ones to do this. I know that uh, UW fans do this with Oregon. Um, I'm sure that everybody in the SEC does it to everybody else. But no, because the SEC always toasts the fact that the SEC champ, like they remember, like no matter how many different teams were were winning national championships a few years ago, they were all, everyone was taking credit for it. You know, Florida oh, yeah. was taking credit for the fact that, you know, they were part of seven national championships in a row and Auburn was and Alabama was and LSU was like they were all just saying, you know. OK, Michigan, Ohio State. There you go. Yeah. There you go. If a plane crashed with one of those teams on board, the other team would probably have a parade. Like that's there. That's hatred there. Yeah. So I know other other fan bases do it. I think it's I, I understand the rivalry. Rivalries are fun. But if all your energy, your energy should be spent rooting for your team rather than fervently and emotionally disparaging your rival. I think the difference is between like a Michigan, Ohio State is even though there's hatred, there's also a mutual respect for each other. Yeah. And there's no respect at all in this rivalry. Like because you dub people think that they treat us like a little brother. So we have to act like a spoiled little brat. So yeah, and I think that um, that's just that, it's the way it seems like it's always been. It is, it is, and it's not going to change. It's getting worse, but it's not going to change. No, I think the advent of social media and how people can just complain on social media is just making it worse. Yeah, but that's true about many, many different things. Yeah, we I could I could go on a rant about um, the general bullshit that gets spewed on social media. I mean, apparently a tax bill is going to murder fourteen million people. You know, like okay, sure. Anyways, so, I've got to, uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say. So to wrap up my rant, the moral of the story is: rooting for UW does not make me less of a WSU fan. And the moral of that moral is root for your team and enjoy it. Yeah, root for your team. It doesn't matter what anyone else does. Root for your own team. Well said. You got you got something you want to bring up? I've got a rant. Ah, here we go. Oh, I'm almost out of beer. The day is Tuesday. By the way, we didn't say what we were drinking at the very beginning. That's because we're drinking commercial beer. Well, we're yeah, well, you still got to say we're drinking. He's drinking Guinness. I'm drinking Black Butte Porter. There was a mishap. Yeah, there was a little bit of a mishap. And one of the Guinnesses that we got, unfortunately, didn't make it to the door. Didn't make it from the car to the door. So may it rest in peace out in the driveway. Rest in pieces out yep. in the driveway. Okay. The day is Tuesday. I'm working from home watching my kid. Uh, he's getting a little fussy. It's about 3 o'clock. That's about nap time. I go and I pick him up. Uh, he has had an absolute explosive 
shit. Like up the back to the shoulder blades. Soak the back of his shirt. It's everywhere. It's like, that's take the clothes off, throw them in the washer, put them in, put it in the bath. Of course, in all of this, my sweats get, they get some shit on them too. So I get him changed. He's tired. Put him to sleep after his bath. And then I realize my sweats are in the washer, as is my cell phone. So I try and rescue that. It did not work. Uh, but the following morning, it was just completely, the screen was totally screwed. So, I'm like, okay, well, there's a T-Mobile store, a 15-minute walk from my office. I'll go there. I can just get a new phone and be all set. So, I go to a T-Mobile store on my lunch break. It's a 15-minute walk. I get there. Uh, of course, they've lo- they've, that's the day they've loaded a new point-of-sale system, so everything takes twice as long. Anyway... You have to go through the whole process, and then you have to activate the phone. Naturally. Okay. So I'm standing there for like 30 minutes, the iPhone, allowed in with the iCloud and all of that crap and everything. And I'm talking to the girl who's, you know, making the time go. And then the phone loads, and she goes, you're all set. She didn't do anything. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm all set. So I leave, and I feel a little bit weird. He just sat there for 15 minutes talking to this person. Like, when she thinks that she's done everything she had to do. So I kind of feel like a, a little bit of a jackass. Just for, you know, standing and talking to this woman for 20 minutes. Anyways, about halfway back to the office, I realized my phone, I don't have any data. So I call T-Mobile. Well, your SIM card hasn't been activated, but lucky for you, you can do that online. Because, oh, the first thing they do, the first thing they say is, we need to send you a confirmation text. How are you going to do that? My phone's not activated. We can send it to your old phone. My phone. There's a reason why I'm getting a new phone. There's a reason I'm having a new phone. Oh, well, you can do it online. So I get off the phone with this guy. I go online. It says, to change a SIM card, please call this number. The exact freaking number I just called. So I call back and I get this kid who's just, he's like, he's trying so hard to make his job fun, false enthusiasm and everything. He's like, oh, you've been with us for nine years. That's like eight years longer than my longest relationship. And I'm like, "Ah, I'm not buying it. I've got chuckling today, bud. And he goes, well, I can send a text to your old phone. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have my old phone. I can't see my old phone. My old phone is not working. And he goes, you have to go to the store. I was like, I've already been to the store. How do you think I got my phone? <laughs> How do you think I got my phone? And he's like, well, I'm sorry, but that's 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 what has to be done. And I'm like, don't you guys have this situation happen where somebody breaks their phone? How, how would you activate it? Do you always have to go to the store? Well, normally we can send a text. To who? Who are you sending a text to? This is this is 2017. I have to go to a store to activate my phone. We have iPhones, which I don't understand the need for this at all. Where they scan your face because apparently people are murdering people, cutting off their fingertips, and using that for the thumbprint, which I don't think has ever happened. 
But I've uh, but Apple keeps coming up with new security things. So it's three quarters of a mile. I ended up walking three miles yesterday, and not exactly in my in my athletic shoes either. Yeah. Like what the hell? You're selling this advanced product, and there's no way for me to self-activate a SIM card on my own account? Come on. No, that's... You know that's that an I, hour and a half of my day. You know that I have had issues the past year with my own cell phone. So I'm still going through that, by the still? way. Still? Yeah. So I, in fact, just on Monday, I sent... Because I, I have ne- I've been referred to a collection agency now oh. by Sprint because of a fraud investigation where I didn't pay my bill because there were five iPhones on it that were activated from New York. And I told them, those aren't mine. And then for four months, they just kept putting it off and putting it off. And then my work started paying for my phone. So I said, just cancel everything. And they said, okay. And then two months later, I get a bill for $2,200. And then now they're referring me to a collection agency because I said, absolutely not. Those aren't my phone numbers. So now I have to work with the collection agency and still work with Sprint, and it's still going on. So, yeah, it's... uh, It's been going on for like a year. It's been a year. It was last December. Yeah, last December, I looked at my phone bill, and it was $1,100. That's what started this whole thing. Now I'm lucky enough that my work pays for my cell phone. Well, it just boggles the mind. Like you're, you're a phone provider. You, there should be an easy way to tell if, so, if a fraudulent phone is added to an account. In a week, five iPhones from literally a place I have never been, you should probably deduct that it wasn't me who opened it. Like my bank, somebody was, you know, bought some crap with my card in a Walmart in Alabama, and my bank shut the card off immediately. I bought something in New York City, and my bank shut my card off. And I had to call the bank and be like, no, that's me. You can reactivate it, which I appreciated You're them bank doing in America? that. Yeah. They didn't do that when we were in New York at the same time. But then again, I've been in New York before. Yeah, that and I had about four purchases in a row. And it was like, were these you? Well, I mean, they didn't didn't shut off my car. They just wanted to make sure. They just sent me like an email saying, can you confirm these purchases? So why can't a Sprint store in New York or however, however these scammers did it, there's no thing in the system like if in all of the wonders of modern technology there's no way to activate a sim card or say hmm this guy who's been with us for at least 10 years since i was 18 um he's never bought five iphones before that's a strange behavior let's get verification you think you would think but no so yeah cell phones a little bit Cell phone plans, in particular, a little bit, a uh, little bit sour on them. But I have AT and T now, so so far so good with that. Oh, one last thing at T Mobile. Uh, if I'm in the Greater Seattle area, there's no way I should ever lose reception. So Sprint, I lost reception in two spots every time. It was the same two spots. It was 
on I-90. It was only going westbound on I-90. And it was right by um, Eastgate, right by the teriyaki place that we always used to go to. That was one spot. The other spot was always on I-5 going northbound just past the big REI right off the freeway, you know, in downtown, basically downtown Seattle where you're right even with the Space Needle. It didn't matter who I was talking to. It didn't matter when during the day. If I was passing those two spots, I was losing the call every time. So in Eastgate, that's just up the hill from T-Mobile headquarters. So you should be okay. Uh Back when we lived in Sammamish, my wife would call me on her way home. Every single day, we as T-Mobile customers would lose reception on the phone call and get dropped driving by T-Mobile. The T-Mobile corporate headquarters. Yes. The exact same spot that I would lose the call at Sprint. I don't know what it's, – it's there's no mountains. There's no hills. There's no tunnels. I want an explanation. Yeah. I shouldn't lose it on a train – because we're up against a small hill. It would, we wouldn't even call it a hill here. It's like a bump. Anyways, do we have anything else to talk about? I don't think I have anything else to talk about. Do you, uh, you got anything the else? package game. The package game. Oh, yeah. You brought this up last week, but we uh, got cut short. So what is the package game? Okay. Well, first of all, Swedish meatballs are still great. I talked about them last time. Great. One of the greatest parts of Christmas. So the package game is this. This has been going on since at least the 70s. It predates made by decades. Um, you're in a room. Everybody sits around. There's a pile of presents sitting on the coffee table or on the floor if you don't have a coffee table. There is a, a, a box lid with two dice in it. A timer is set. Well, no, hold, hold on. That's not how it goes yet. People pass it around, the dice around. You roll. You, if you get a 7 or 11, you grab a package. Nobody knows what's in these packages. Then, after all the packages ever have been picked off from the pile, a five-minute timer is set, or three minutes, depending on how wild you want to get. And you go around again. You get 7 or 11, you get to steal somebody else's package. And it just gets frantic. Um, it can get violent. People are hiding packages behind couches, underneath couches, sitting on couches. And you don't know what's in them. So the time runs out, you open up the packages. I remember when I was about 11 years old, I got a thousand cocktail forks. <laughs> One time, my brother got a roll of toilet paper. Uh, these days, they tend to be gift cards and chocolates. I was just saying, are there anything good in these? Uh, they've gotten better over the years, uh, but it's it's a family tradition. I wouldn't be surprised if this even goes back to like the 50s. Every Christmas, from here until eternity, there will be the package game. So that is your Christmas tradition. I have fruit soup, and you have the package game. I'm coming over to your house for Christmas. You know my mother would love it. Yeah, she would. <laughs> I might have to invite myself for that. Who knows? My uh, 
usual Christmas tradition is not going to be able to happen this year. Usually I go over to Spokane, spend time with my family. My parents are going to Nebraska for my cousin's wedding. Well, I mean, my cousin got married a year ago, but she's been in Tunisia the last year. So she's coming home and it's the first time that everyone's meeting her husband. So they're having a small celebration. And my mom, my dad, and my grandma are all going. So for the first time since I can remember, I'm not going home for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Probably for the first time ever. I think that's the first time. Yeah, and because usually it's Christmas. The only other time I didn't go home for Christmas was when uh, your wedding was. Oh, yeah. Other than that, I've been home for Christmas pretty much every time. Or in Okanagan, like was the case last year. That's a that's a another another day. Especially. That's a hangover. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we are going to do a podcast next week, so we will see you then. It's going to be our big bowl extravaganza, probably with some college basketball mixed in because college basketball has started with uh, league play. So. The Big Ten has already started with league play. The the ACC has already started. Boston College beat Duke. So ACC has already started. I think the Big 12 has already started. The Pac-12 doesn't start till New Year's Eve with Arizona State, Arizona. Arizona State, by the way, is like fifth in the country. That won't won't last. Didn't see that coming. That won't last. Well, they look really good. I don't think it's going to last either, but they do look like they're the best team in the Pac-12 right now. Right now. But we'll see. Anyways, we'll continue this uh, next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a good weekend.